Welcome to the Topic of Choice podcast. This podcast is focused on the fun, whether it be technology, movie reviews, pop culture, or anything else that catches our fancy. Each week, the host, Joey Police, discusses the topic of choice with different guests. They'll dive deep into their personal and professional views and takes on the subject of the podcast, and sometimes the state of the world. However, the host and the guests won't take any topic too seriously. What a great change to today's world of podcast. So if you're looking to have a little variety in your weekly listening routine, then hit the subscribe button and rate us. And now, here is Joey Police. Welcome back. It is Wednesday night. 8.30 this time, not 8 o'clock, which means it's another week of the Topic of Choice. And I'm excited tonight because I have my lifelong friend, Chris Alford, with us tonight. Special guest, and always welcome on the guest tonight, or welcome on the show, my guest, Matthew Snotty. Guys, how are you? Hey, Joey. Thank you, Joey. <laughs> Loosen up, Chris. All right, we kill this. Um, Chris, this is your first time doing a podcast? Sure is, yeah. <laughs> you need a bourbon. Was that Dave Matthews' band? Yes, it was. Can, can you explain the significance of, of, of that? Uh, you want to do that, Chris? Uh, well, Joey, Joey sort of introduced me to Dave Matthews. Um, I mean, he was obviously pop popular in the, the early through the mid-90s. I think Joey and his fandom of the Dave Matthews band kind of took that to the next level. Um, and Joey plays guitar, can can play about anything Dave Matthews ever put out there. and was pretty much the, the centerpiece to any college party that uh, we ever went to, that if Joey wasn't there with his guitar, that, that that's why they like me. They like me coming yeah. along because I, I was the, uh, the, the faux entertainment but as good as that was in the day. <laughs> how, many, how many times have you seen Dave Matthews in concert, Joey? Uh, Over 100? No, no, not that much. I, yeah, uh, enough, it seems like. Uh, I think 23, 23 times. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah. Okay, I thought it was a lot more than that. No, no. Uh, and it stopped in 2000, gosh, 2004, I think was the last live show I saw. But uh, yeah, there were several years where, I, I mean, I'd, came to San Antonio. We saw him live. I've gone, yeah. you yeah. know, as far east as North Carolina, uh, Washington, D.C., traveled a lot around. So, yeah, Matthew, Dave, uh, Dave Matthews was a, a staple in the group that we all hung out with. So you're not surprised, though. I know that, right? I, I, I'm not surprised. Maybe a touch disappointed, but yes, I'm not surprised. It wasn't... Um, well, wait, disappointed how? <laughs> it was so, Dave, Ma oh gosh, Dave Matthews was so middle of the road, you know, it was, uh, it, it, there was no edge at all to anything that Dave Matthews put out. And, well, and that's wasn't completely about, different from what, from, from my experience of the mid nineties. Yeah. Your experience and my experience, I think in the mid nineties was, was a lot different. <laughs> <laughs> in our in our taste of music but that's okay um i like dave matthews because i think he was a great musician i, I don't know if this you know the lyrics never really you know impacted me like gosh that was just 
incredibly deep. It was the music, you know, I thought, and uh, just, I like the, the guitar with it as well. So, um, yeah, anyway, so. And, I, and I'll trumpet that. Growing up, you know, growing up playing drums, uh, Carter Beaufort, the syncopated rhythms. It, I, I don't know the, the, the lyrics to, to, to a lot of those songs, but uh, rhythmically, I, I think they're, uh, I, I put them top 10 in the 90s, just yeah. in some of the stuff they were doing. Matthew, would you like to share some of your musical passions in the 90s? No. <laughs> Was, Matthew, were you, were you following widespread panic and fish around? No. I, <laughs> I was listening to Nine Inch Nails and Marilyn Manson and oh, yeah. uh, Ministry yeah. and uh, yeah. Good stuff. Uh, KMFDM. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my experience was very different from from Joey's, but that's fine. We've we, we nonetheless we've come together <clears throat> after our our wild youths. Matthew and I have this uh, ongoing um, relationship and joke, if you will, that we always kid each other about. Is uh, if there were a, a Venn diagram of all the intersecting circles of all of our um, likes and and commonalities there would be a very small intertwining aspect of that Venn diagram between us. There are so few things that we agree upon, yep. uh, which I think creates a really good dichotomy, a good, a good friendship, because we never really agree <laughs> on many yeah. things, which offers a good um, yin and yang, if you will. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, I, I'm perfectly happy to accept the fact that you're wrong on pretty much everything. I, I set myself <laughs> up for that. <laughs> <laughs> but nonetheless, yes, we are, we are good friends. So yeah, we'll, we'll leave it at that. But, you know, uh, despite our differences, we, we are able to find some, some Absolutely. way to uh, uh, be, be friends, especially in, in 2020 when it seems like uh, nothing uh, is leading anyone to be friends over anything. Yeah, that's the truth. Well, tonight what I wanted to do is I wanted, um, I wanted to just discuss, you know, the steps, the, the uh, life of the entrepreneur. And uh, I, I see this being a two-parter, maybe a three-parter. Um, and I want to have some other uh, individuals that can offer a lot of color and a lot of input to the discussion as well. Chris, so I wanted to bring you in. Uh, I think you've got a really unique story. And I thought what you could do is just give us a, a quick history post-graduation um, until uh, up to where you are now. And then I want Matthew to, to give us just a little bit of his um, story as well. And then kind of how it all intertwines from an entrepreneurial standpoint and, and where we are um, and, and how, how does one who is, might be listening tonight and say, you know what, I'm, I'm getting ready to take that step. I'm in that nine to five job. I'm, I'm, chained, if you will, to the, the every two week paycheck, or I've got this idea, or I know I could do it on my own. What, what do I need to do to take that step? Or how do I take that step? Uh, and I thought that, that having the three of us on here to kind of talk about this, because we've all had very diverse uh, careers, and they've kind of changed and pivoted. Matthew, yours has probably been the most consistent, I would say, over the past 20 years from a standpoint of what you've done. Um, um, but nonetheless, yeah. you've, you have seen the ups and downs of this 
uh, more than more than most? Uh, sure, yeah. Um, and, and in fact, my company that I started uh, is now approaching its 20th anniversary, uh, yeah. April or, or um, um, October 1st, I think 2000 was the day that I incorporated. And for, for nearly 20 years now, I have been uh, running my own company and, and, and doing my own thing and not been beholden to that, uh, that paycheck, that two-week paycheck, like you said. Yeah. So I'm going to have some, uh, some comments w with, on that side because I can speak to that um, probably more. Uh, but, but Chris, if you will, tell us a little bit about, give us, give us some topology and, and just some history. Sure, sure. So uh, after I uh, graduating, I think you and I both graduated in 97 from Eastern. Yep, yep. Um, I, I came to South Texas with the U.S. Border Patrol and foresaw my career in, in federal law enforcement is really what uh, my long-term goals were. And uh, after spending a few years in South Texas with the Border Patrol, we had 9-11, which gave me the opportunity to at the time, I thought it was, you know, the furtherance of my career as a federal air marshal and just one more kind of notch in my belt towards the eventual goal, which at that time was either Secret Service or um, or FBI or something of, of that nature. Um, had a son born during that time that sort of changed a few things for me and um, wasn't able to sort of get our life back to Kentucky per se. So after leaving law enforcement, um, we found common ground here in San Antonio, Texas, and we've been in San Antonio for, I think, 14 years now, uh, four, yeah, 14 going on, 14 and a half years now, uh, got into sales and was, you know, outside sales for 10 plus years. And, and, that, and that was great. You know, a lot of experience there, a lot of windshield time, a lot of, as yeah. Joey and I would say, knocking doors and, um, I don't know. I was probably 36 years old and, and, and you, you hit on the nail on the head, Joey, just a moment ago saying that I just, you just get to the point where I, I needed something more, you know, whether, whether you're mm -hmm. in that cube farm or you're, you're behind, stuck behind the, the, the windshield all day long, making endless sales calls on your milk run, whatever one wants to call it. I, I needed something more and I opened a restaurant. Uh, joined a franchise and that we have our doors have been open seven seven years now uh, we're, we're in year seven and but you know the process for going down that road started a couple of years before uh, that and you know now we have two restaurants and a small construction company and we're we have a property group there in central Kentucky as well that I have with with Harleth and uh, my brother Bryson so again, taking that first step into opening one's own business and, and untethering that line, it's, it's liberating, but scary at the same time Yeah, because you yeah. don't have that safety net. And now you are the sole responsible party for your success or your failure. There are, there, there's nobody else to blame. The buck stops with you. So um, we're, you know, again, seven years into this and have grown in different directions, not just with the, with the two restaurants. Now, like I said, we've got the construction company and we're buying prop, rental properties in central Kentucky, but it's really just expounded my ability to multitask 
handle workloads, workload management, workflow, uh, leadership, which I learned in the Marine Corps uh, and federal law enforcement and being able to be a mentor and free myself of the mundane tasks of actually operating in the business, not working in the business, but working on the business. It took me a few years to grasp that concept. And, 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 I, and I think that's been, it's, it's helped me grow as an, in the ownership realm in so far as uh, freeing up my time so that I could focus in other areas. Do you, uh, Matthew, let me ask you this. When you first started, you were in a similar situation working for a larger company, correct? Uh, right. Yeah. I came out of uh, Fortune 100 uh, corporate lifestyle and uh, yeah, pretty much, yeah, very similar. I, I saw that there was a lot to be said for making your own money and not being uh, beholden to, to, to some big corporation that could let you go at any time or they could change, you know, in, in the early 2000s and, and much more so in 2020, um, you didn't have the same safety net that you did in the 1950s, 1960s, where if you joined a big company, you were, you, you were set for life and you were going to retire from that company. And so, yeah, I decided to, to kind of strike out on my own, um, started my own company. Uh, I, I can't say that I'm as uh, diverse as Chris is and <laughs> the, the things that he's done, but I've, uh, I, I can reiterate the whole thing of, you know, I've always bet on myself and that's never let me down. I've, I've been able to, to say, okay, if it's, if it's all on me, I will do whatever it takes to, to, to make it work. And, you know, I'm 20 years in now and, and I'm, you know, I can't imagine working for someone else. I, I, I can only see, I, I've worked for myself uh, for, for far, far longer than I ever worked for anyone else in the past. I think that there are a lot of individuals that would echo both of what you say. But I also think that there are individuals that look at corporate America, that look at that nine to five, you know, and I'm one of those individuals where, I did great with it and I, and I loved it. You know, there were, there's always, there's grass is always greener. The grass is never greener. You know, you get to the other side and it's never greener, but you always think it might be with whatever that next position, next role is. But I credit, you know, a hundred percent of my experience in big business and enterprise, um, uh, architecture, if you will, to those jobs, you know, and, and now what I'm looking at as I, as I start my entrepreneurship, as I start my new company, um, everything that I learned from those organizations and those big businesses, I can now take to my company um, and sure, apply yeah. that. And, and if I can add on to that just a little bit, I mean, there's a certain personality type that can say, I have a lot that I can learn from working for someone else, but I have a whole lot more growth that I can achieve, or I have a lot more that I can do with my life. Yeah. If I, if I leave this and take what I've learned and, uh, and, and really kind of go out and do it my own way, because maybe the way that I look at the world or the way that I think that something can be done, um, might give 
me some more rewards or, or, or be more satisfying or just in general make me happier. Yeah, because we, I think we could all agree it's not, it's not about the, the, the financial change. I, I was going to use the word freedom because a lot of times it might not be financial freedom. You know, I mean, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a very aggressive and abrupt change most of the time. But I think that most people would see starting their own business um, as an entrepreneur, whatever that might be as invigorating as uh, a self challenge, if you will. And it's not just about, Oh, I'm not going to be, tied to somebody else paying me. I'm going to make my, my own money and so on. But it's more about what that individual can do with the talents they have. Um, and and sure. I, there's and, just, the, yeah. And well, I was going to ask Chris, um, Chris, when, when you started out on your own, did you take a big financial hit? You, well, you, I, you I like, I, I like to make the joke that I never worked so hard for so little money and that, that kind of gets people going. Uh, and and yeah. to what Joey said, it, a lot of people think that business ownership is just glorious. You know, it, it's, it's no guts, all glory. And uh, the money, you hang your shingle and the money just pours in. I, I don't think people realize that when you open your door and hang your shingle and again, depending on what widget you're pushing or, or what your genre of business is that hundred hour work weeks are not out of the question because I worked them. And again, that, that was a restaurant, but we were, we we're bell to bell. Um, we're you're, you, at least in my business, when we talk about the buck stops here, I'm, I'm maintenance, I'm HR, I'm payroll. I hire, I fire, I train. It's just, I wear all the hats and you either learn to do those things with minimal support um, or you're not around long or you quickly learn to get people on your team, the right people yeah. on your bus who can assist you with those endeavors. Um, a lot of times starting out, I, you just don't have the money to, to pay organizations to handle your HR or payroll, or again, a, a myriad of other variables into your overall equation. So you learn how to do that bookkeeping. I, I keep my own books. To this day, I keep my own books. I don't file the taxes, but part of when I go to work, I mean, I, I'm literally usually in my office by 5.15 a.m. Um, doing just it's quiet time before I go to the gym, but I'm checking and balancing the books. Uh, to me, that is, it, it's helpful. It's controlling. Uh, but it's just an, an aspect of my organization that that's just one area. And I've had an argument arguments with other people who sort of third party that stuff out and I, we could, but I sort of enjoy doing it myself. It's a bit of an education, but it's just money that I don't have to spend in another area uh, with just daily upkeep and maintenance. Yeah. Yeah, and I agree with that 100% that um, one of the things I wish that I had done in college was take more finance and more accounting classes because I, I was taking all computer science classes, which had no bearing at all on, on being able to be a good business owner or being able to know uh, how to pay taxes or, or what payroll was or anything like that. And 
being overwhelmed starting off your business, uh, uh, like you said, there's there's a lot of hats you have to wear, which means that the 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 learning curve is very steep. You have very a lot steep. of things that you have to figure out really quickly, or mm-hmm. you have to pay other people to do that. Yeah, and uh, you know you know paying other people is is fine as long as you got the money to do it. But most entrepreneurs don't start out out with you know hundreds of thousands of dollars of, of just you know uh, expendable and- cash. And everything that you're paying somebody else to do is something that you're not learning to do yourself. Um, yeah. that, uh, you know, and again, I think bookkeeping is a, is a good example of that. Um, again, I don't file the taxes. I have an accountant that, you know, buttons everything up at the end of the year and, and handles um, the rest of it. But the learning curve is steep. And if, if you aren't keeping up with those items and able to absorb and manage that, then again, I, I think, many people fail in, in, in their business because they just can't absorb that and uh, can't carry the load. Yeah. Yeah. And there's uh, some statistic, I don't have it in front of me, but it's somewhere north of 90% of small businesses fail uh, within the first couple of years that they're, they're in business. And it's because that, that owner can't adapt or can't learn or doesn't want to take on the responsibilities to, to keep it afloat. Um, and that, that's a, a huge failure rate. And it's just simply because, uh, you know, you either have money or uh, time or skill. Nobody has all three. You got to pick out which two you want. I agree with that 110%. Absolutely every bit of it. Chris, do you think that the military helped prepare you for something like this? I think the military, it's not the tangibles, you know, and I, I referenced the Marine Corps a lot, and it's not the tangibles you you take away or one takes away from the Marine Corps that we can apply in daily life. You know, if you were a tanker in the Marine Corps, uh, you know, Fayette County's not hiring for Marine Corps tankers right now. But uh, it's it's the level, it's the mindset. Again, we, we referenced the warrior mindset and the level of discipline in maybe any military branch, but it's specifically the Marine Corps that allows me to to get out of bed in the morning at, at 4.30 and just have a, a don't quit, don't give up attitude every day when when we're attacking day-to-day problems. And new days are new problems every single day. No, yeah. it's not, it's not um, Groundhog Day where, again, you go to your cube farm, you sit in your, your, your cube and you do your job from nine to five and then you go home. Um, we've made the jokes. Johnny or a Joey about Johnny punch clock, you know, mm-hmm. you punch in and you punch out and you go home and, and that's and, great. It's, it's, there's no disrespect there at all. And no. I don't mean to disparage anybody that works, uh, that, that does anything nine to five. It just, it wasn't for me. Um, but being in the military does give me a level of, uh, not only motivation, but organization, uh, the ability to multitask and dial in, and um, I, I use those traits from a leadership standpoint as well when I'm training uh, new team members. And I do the training myself because, again, if you want to train it, train them, if you want them trained right, do it yourself. Uh, and I run my shops and my businesses very much like a military organization. We have expectations and we, we will meet the expectation. There's no middle ground with me. Um, this is either right or it's wrong. And, and not to say that it's totalitarian, it's not <laughs> at all, but 
the and Matthew hit on it a few few minutes ago about our society and not getting along. Whatever we do today is under the scrutiny of every single person. Everybody holds the power of the world in their hand. And the guest experience and guest satisfaction in whatever we do, the expectation has been set so high that in many instances, you really can't afford to fail, whether that's in the food industry or in construction or in computers or IT. Because if, you, if, if your client or your guest has a bad experience, all they have to do is go online and absolutely ruin your day. And people are more and more depending on the word of others to make those decisions. Yeah, yeah I can tell you that's, that's true all across the board. I mean, how many times do you guys go to Amazon? You're, get, <clears throat> you're getting ready to buy a product. Scroll down to the bottom and you're looking at the reviews. What are people saying about it? How many stars do they every get? Time. Because every time, every time. Now, yeah. I'm not saying that that's going to weigh one, one, you know, one side or the other, but I do look at them to see, okay, is it a legit product or whatnot? And, and uh, you know, with you being in the hospitality <clears throat> with one of your businesses, with the restaurants, you are on, uh, you're under the microscope more than most you know, if someone has a bad experience, um, they are yeah, keyboard warriors, you know? And what I mean by that, yeah. keyboard warriors is behind the computer. Boy, they're brave. They're getting behind there and they're, you know, typing out that review and submit on Yelp or whatever <clears throat> the, uh, the platform might be, rather than go talk to the manager and, hey, what's the issue? How can we fix it? How can, we, how can we make this better for you, the guest? No, and you're exactly right. And, you know, the, we, we battle anybody with employees who, or who deals with the public. You know, we, we're battling that external uh, customer coming in and we're battling the internal customer. You know, our employees and, and, and everything that, that, that cornucopia uh, of things that come with having employees on the, on the payroll. But people... People have very little forgiveness these days, and it is it is hard. And uh, as I tell my team, we have to strive for perfection every single transaction. We're not going to get there, right? We're gonna we're human. We're gonna make mistakes, but we absolutely have to strive for perfection and make that guest's experience everything it it needs to be, and improve upon their day because you don't know what factors are affecting that guest as they enter your door. And it is just our job to improve their day from, from that point on. Hey, Matthew, tell, tell, tell us a little bit about from a standpoint, if you have an angry customer, usually it's not about you. I would, I, I'm being presumptuous here. Usually it's about <laughs> something that has happened to them. And now they're picking up the phone and calling you to come and assist. Right. Yeah. Being in IT, security, servers, that type of stuff. Yeah. Um, nine times out of 10, I'm the hero walking in. I'm going to fix it. I'm going to make it right. I'm going to make their day better. Yeah. So yeah. It's, Until it, it's they a, see the bill. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a whole separate thing. I know. But yeah, I can't imagine being in Chris's position, being, being as public facing in the hospitality business because yeah, IT guys are not in the hospitality business where we, we are generally in the, um, you know, uh, uh, keep your systems running so you can do your job. 
Uh, you know, one of my jokes is always that, that, um, yeah, it doesn't make a company money. Uh, it it costs a company money, but it is a force multiplier where, um, the work that we do helps the employees do the work of more than one person, do the work of two or three or 10 people. And so, you know, companies get their savings or, or, or see the benefit from it from, from that perspective. So yeah, most of the time, uh, yeah, I'm heralded as a hero, especially if I can walk out after a few minutes and say, okay, your problem's fixed. Hope you're happy. Yeah. Uh, off we go. Uh, but yeah, occasionally, uh, yeah, you do get the, the customer that that's, they're, they're, they're having a bad day. They're unsatisfied. Um, but yeah, customer service in my business is, is completely different than Chris's, uh, experience because, uh, a, I, we, we don't have a, uh, you know, whatever the, the app is that <laughs> that rates the you Yelp. that yeah the Yelp <laughs> or something like that for IT guys thankfully <laughs> right so 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 that does kind of afford me uh, you know to allow a little bit more of my personality to come through and sometimes um, uh, that's good and sometimes it's not sometimes you know you kind of have to gauge you know I, I'm not saying that I'm any less of a people person than a, a server or a waiter or someone else in the hospitality or manager in hospitality or something like that. Um, but we, you know, I, I do have the option of saying, look, either you, you know, straighten yourself out, go take a breath, have a drink of coffee and come back and be nice, or your problem is not going to get fixed because I'm here to fix your problem. Yeah. And, and you just have to kind of be real with people <laughs> and it's not, you know, it's not to be mean, it's not to be aggravating or anything like that, but you know, I'm there to, 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 to fix a problem, to, to, to provide a service. Um, and, uh, and it's not based on your comfort or your, your, your happiness. It's, it's based upon the needs of the company that I'm working for. Yeah. One of the things that I've already begun to notice that I know I'll miss again, pros and cons for me. So after spending what, 20 plus years in corporate in different organizations and now going into on my own, um, one of the things I can tell you. I thrived in was working with teams and working with competent teams, you know, um, where, you know, it's not just about you. It's about the department or it's about whatever uh, person you're contracting with. Uh, Because I I think that that's where some of my best uh, growing moments and experiences came from was how did we learn from, one another in those environments, you know? Yeah. And being an entrepreneur, and I've said this multiple times to, to other people that I've talked to about it, it's lonely. It is. It, you, you are not on a team. You do not have people who have your back. You have to look out for yourself and you have to do whatever it takes to, to get the job done because ultimately it's, it's all on you. you. You may have a team, but they're not your equals. They are people who are helping you achieve whatever the goal is of the entire company. So yeah, it's a lonely business. And Chris, you may have some, some thoughts on that as well. No, I agree with everything you've said. And, and the, a lot of the phrasing that I use with um, my employees and other people, other people within the industry are every decision I make is for the, is for the business. I make decisions on not what is best for Chris, but what is best for the business. And that's it. Again, it is black and white because at the end of the day, 
we have to keep these doors open because we we have financial responsibilities to see to. We are, again, we have employees, so we are responsible for their financial well-being as well. So I am not allowed to be a selfish guy at work. I have to be completely and utterly selfless, not only for the betterment of my team and my and my business, but just for its 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 longevity. And uh, because, as you said, nobody. There is no safety net, no safety net there. Nobody is going to get Chris's back. Chris is the only guy who's got to look after the business. You know, at some point, every large business started out, you know, small, the one or the two individuals that grew the business, you know, everything from that, you know, if we look at the popular ones, the, the Microsofts, the, the Apple, the Google, Facebook, however you want to look at it. You look at any organization as large as it is, it started off with an entrepreneur. It started off with an idea that that person or the individuals or the, the, the partners had, and then they grew it. I don't want to take away from the, the, um, the idea of what, what we are doing as smaller, small businesses. That's what we are, right? And those entrepreneurs that say, yeah, but what do you say to the individual that starts the organization and grows and grows? And now they need an office and now they need a building. Now they need not five employees. Now they need 10 and now they need 20. Now they've outgrown their building and, and you guys see how this happens. It's, it, we've all seen it. And now they're no longer that small business entrepreneur. They're the company that's providing jobs for the individuals coming in, sitting at their desks nine to five and giving those individuals opportunities, you know? And I think there's so much to be said about that. And that's why I love, I love the model that America has for commerce. And I love that, that that's where the opportunity is. And not just America, it, 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 you know, how many other countries allow an individual to start based from an idea or from a skill or a product and then grow, right? Yeah, and to that point, um, you also have to keep in mind that not every entrepreneur that starts that small business is competent or skilled enough to, to see it through to that, that kind of growth. Oh, there's growth. no way. Uh, you know, one of the most famous examples of all of them is uh, Steve Jobs getting That's fired right. from his own company. You know, Apple grew and grew and grew and it became such a, a huge company that it had a board of directors and board of directors in the 90s said, Steve, you're really not taking yeah. it where we think you, it needs to go. And, and, you know, they had other motivations and other incentives for doing something like that. And Steve Jobs got fired from his own company that he started. Yeah. Um, and, and I've seen on multiple occasions that happens with smaller businesses as well. Not just the apples of the world, but, um, right. you know, s- smaller, you know, 20, 30, 50, 100 person companies where when it was one or two people, the person who started it, they, they had noble motivations, they had uh, great ideas, they had uh, the right team around them, and they, uh, th- they grew to the point that they were no longer an asset to the company, they were a liability, and, and they ended up losing their own company, mm. um, and someone else took over it, or uh, the company got run into the ground or something like that. So it, it, it's a real danger that uh, an entrepreneur has to know what their own limits are. And if you're, if you're seeing that kind of growth, if you're seeing uh, the, the company kind of go in a different direction or, or, or turn into something that it wasn't originally intended to be, you can lose it. 
And I don't think, and I'll tack onto that. I don't think with your first comment, um, none of them could have got to where they are without somebody else, without the, the, the people who are smarter than them in different areas. You know, you position yourself with people smarter than you to help you grow. And I've, I've seen that true in every, in every organization I've ever worked for. I, yeah, I think one of the, go ahead, Chris, oh, Chris. I, I think one of the hardest things for a business owner to ever realize is with growth comes complexity, a level of organization that they might not be able to achieve, but to have that realization and that aha moment that says, okay, I need some help. I've got to, I've got to bring in some, you know, metaphorically speaking, some big guns. Because yeah. if we're going to take this to the next level, I, I need some other people on my bus. I've got to yep. get some people on my team um, just to sort of trumpet what, what Matthew was saying. And a lot of people either don't have enough foresight to do that or can't let go enough to allow people into their inner circle and help them grow their dream or their idea. Well, one thing I would also add as a third component to that scenario is, Matthew, you and I have had this discussion many times where you haven't wanted to grow to that size. You are, you are in a, in a good zone of managing your business with you. Am I correct to, to still say that? Yeah. Yeah. I have made a conscious decision. You know, originally back in the first couple of years of starting my <laughs> business, I had aspirations to, yeah, make it big, make it grow, have lots of employees. And, and I, I learned probably about three or four years in, that my clients didn't want to see anybody other than me. They, they, they knew me, they got to know me my personality, you know, and, and my skill level, more importantly, you know, what I could do for them. And I saw that there was a serious value in what I could do with a, you know, with, with a very small company. And I kind of readjusted what my expectations were for being uh, an entrepreneur and said, I'm, I'm happy doing what I'm doing. My clients are happy what I'm doing with what I'm doing. And uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm able to, to provide, I'm able to, to, you know, get the things that I want out of life and still make everybody around me happy. Now being an IT guy, as you are, Joey, um, we also know that there's also um, a, a big lack of redundancy when you keep your business small intentionally. Right. right. <laughs> if the, if the owner gets sick, if the owner passes away, if the owner is incapacitated, if the owner is just not around or just throws up his hands one day and says, you know what, I'm out, then, you know, the company is not going, going to survive. And a lot of the, the complexity and the, the growth for a larger company comes from trying to keep the company going in case one person decides to not be around, you know, yeah. uh, you know, like I said, you know, not necessarily decides, but uh, <laughs> for, for whatever reason that, you know, one person's not around anymore, the company can still grow and thrive. And so a lot of the, uh, of the growth of a company comes from around that idea of, okay, we can't be reliant on just this one person anymore because the companies that are reliant on that one person, if something does happen, that company just, you know, it, it goes away. And so that's a real fear of mine. And it's always been, uh, in the back of my mind to try to make sure that uh, not only my family, but also my clients would, would have some sort of an out if something were to happen to me. But regardless, I have ultimate 100% complete and total control of my company. 
to a level that probably even Chris doesn't have uh, to where, uh, you know, I, uh, I make decisions and, and, and but uh, I'm also super happy with where I am. And, and it was a, a conscious decision not to grow to a point that uh, I, I, I wasn't any comfortable with it anymore. Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a view that a lot of people may not even consider having when they start their own business. Uh, I think people have great aspirations and great intentions and think, you know, oh, I could grow this and we could hire somebody to do this and then we can grow there and so on. And it's a lot of growth, growth, growth. And I think that's industry specific too, right? I don't or, think that, yeah. Or, or I can tell you with, with, in restaurants, you have a background in restaurants that <clears throat> restaurants yep. grow to a certain point and then, and then we just sort of level off. And as you sat in those sales meetings and you're looking at year over year sales and just looking at something like a, a chart or a graph and that you could do an overlay of year yes. over year over year and with, within a tick, you yep. know, they're, they're almost parallel with one another. And so I think once we realize that, so you, in, in Matthew's case, he has it controlled his growth to a level where he is happy and can still maintain that growth. Whereas we see the restaurants sort of level off and there's really, and if there's a way to do it that I haven't tried, I'm certainly all, all ears, but once you sort of level off, there's all the marketing and the pushing and the publicity. You yeah. are where you're all, you are. Your demographic is your demographic. So what that does is drives diversification. Okay. Yeah. So we, we have these restaurants. What else do we do? So the restaurants in my case specifically led to this, this service company that we started and we had some, uh, we had some prereqs right? We, we, we didn't want high-end retail space, which is what we have in caps, high-end retail space with those restaurants. We didn't want um, equipment that's subject to failure and breakdown consistently as coolers. And you know, these things just run 24 hours a day. They, right. It's a mechanical device. It's going to fail. Uh, we didn't want um, employee counts, which drive a payroll is expensive you know, benefits are expensive. And so we had these prerequisites. What can we do that lowers the overhead that's going to drive, you know, if, if our top line sales are X, we really need the bottom line sales to be Y um, and not Z or, or on down the line. Uh, how, do, how do we make, how do we squeeze more juice from, from the limit? And so this, the, the construction company, uh, again, service industry related is what we came out with. So what, well, I guess what I'm, pulling from that is our, our businesses grew to a level where we didn't think we could exponentially grow them any further. So we wanted to spin off and do a little something, which has also led into the, the rental property group and uh, has forced us, not forced us, but in a good way, driven us to diversify uh, what we do on a daily basis. And Chris, if I could ask you, um, sure what would you consider to be the main motivation for, for wanting to diversify as much as you have? Would you say that it's because you personally had uh, the, the desire and the need to do it? Or would you say that it's something, something else like, 
you know, money or uh, the economy or, or providing for, for, for other people or community outreach or anything like that? I, I would say it's a multiplier or it's a multiple of things. One, um, let's start on the financial side of things because at the end of the day, we still have to pay the bills. We still have things and people for whom we need to help provide. Uh, that was probably the initial motivator. And you mentioned the economy. Well, restaurants, people you're using, that's where the people are using their disposable income. So we are subject to, from everything from weather to ebbs and flows in the economy. Good Lord, we're in the middle of a pandemic, so let's not even scratch that right now. Um, and once our businesses are up and running and we have control of that animal, and I'm sure that Matthew, you feel like you have control of, of your business that frees up a little bit of creativity and time. And as we become better at running that business, um, I'm a guy that's just looking, okay, this is in play. What else can we do? What other iron can we get in the fire now? Um, because I, I can manage this on a day-to-day -day basis, but I'm also capable of doing this and doing this. And as we get better at managing, I mean, you're, you're not the manager today that you were 10 years ago that where you were 15 years ago. You're much better at what you do now. So you are probably um, not having to spend 60 hours in the office a week or can manage things remotely or what have you. Um, I'm kind of the same way in that I have a little more, I won't call it free time, but I have time to give in other areas um, that would also offer satisfaction of uh, starting other companies and offer at the end of the day, some financial benefit uh, on the long-term side. You know, let me also point out anyone that's listening, you know, Chris is not just in charge of Chris for, on a personal level. You know, he has, he has a wife and two kids, one who you just sent off to college. Yeah, um, that's been an experience. Yeah, we'll save that for a, for another topic. I know Matthew, you you uh, you're on the cusp of that, but um, well, no, I, I I have one in college, and that's and right. Three others that are <laughs> that you know are all the way from junior to to senior to uh, second grader. So yeah, and my college age one is is in Alaska right now. I'm trying to figure out <laughs> how to how to go to college in Alaska during a pandemic. So. Well, all that, but, yeah, but and all, yeah, all that to say, and, and I've got three as well, and all that to say, it's not. There's a lot that 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 we juggle. There's a lot that we have to maneuver around, um, and I, I bring that up because anyone listening that says, "Oh, well, they probably are just on their own, and all they have to worry about," or Chris, Chris is doing all these things. It's just Chris. No, it's not. It's it's you know, it's it's family. It's. Uh, tons of responsibilities that have to be weighed out and, and time managed. Were you going to say something? It, I, you know, and you're right. And I think when you're working with the team, we all, we all find our, our dynamic and you know, that my business partner and I, we, we when you, when you and a business, being a business, business partner, it's like having a, a husband or a wife, you know, it takes time to figure out the other party and it takes time to all of us find, our, our dynamic and our strengths and our weaknesses. Um, you know, my brother Bryson is, is in central Kentucky and he's sort of the boots on the ground for this. And he, he yeah. does a lot, most, well, he does all the property management. Well, I'm in Texas. So what can I bring to the table? Well, I have back office experience, you know, I run my other businesses. So 
anything we need on the main, you know, the, the, the logistical side of things, the, the financial side of things. Those are things that I, I can handle that free him up to do what he needs to do um, locally uh, yeah. to get the job done. Uh, but again, we just find it's kind of the, the Peter principle, water seeks its mark. You know, we all sort of find our dynamic and, and where we fit in the overall e equation. But that doesn't happen overnight. And it, it is it is time consuming and it's stressful. But I kind of like that as well. Not everybody does. You, you have to. Like, as you said in the beginning, Matthew, this is, and Chris, there is no, um, there's no mistaking the amount of work and energy that goes into this. It's not a, uh, it's not an easy road by any stretch of the imagination. Wouldn't you agree? Oh yeah, hundred percent. And and I think one of the interesting takeaways from, from this discussion, especially with Chris, is that he's taken the road of, uh, you, you know, if you ever go to a stockbroker, one of the first things they tell you is, diversify your portfolio. Diversify. You know, have have lots of irons and lots of different fires because if one fire goes out, you need to make sure you have other irons that can provide. And and Chris has done that. Chris has taken the tact of, um, let 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 me be an entrepreneur in in lots of different ways um, and capitalize on, on uh, you know, the economy of scale that goes with the back end of, you know, it's easy to manage five, six, 10, 20 companies if all you're doing is the exact same thing for, for all of them or, or, you know, variations on the same thing. And, and I, I think that's absolutely fantastic, especially considering, again, in 2020, where we're in a situation where the hospitality industry is, is hurting, but Chris has got other opportunities out there uh, other ways to, to make sure that he's got streams of revenue. Whereas uh, guys like you and me, Joey, we're kind of locked into what we do. Uh, me, especially um, if, if, if all of a sudden Microsoft goes belly up or, or uh, the internet goes down, you know, we have bigger problems. Like if we have bigger problems, if that happens. <laughs> well, yeah, and well, that's the joke that is that, yeah, we have bigger problems, but at the same time we have no income at that point, And we have, or, or, or I, in particular, I don't have any other, you know, stream of revenue. I don't have any other income. Uh, I've put it all in, in, in one, you know, I've put one iron in one fire and it's been productive for me. It's made me happy, but man, uh, 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 and again, getting back to the whole redundancy thing, if something happens to me, if I were to get sick or if I were to be incapacitated for some reason, shoot, it's, it, it's rough. That's when you call me. You know, uh, <laughs> You know, Joey, we were having these conversations back when you owned and I wasn't a business owner, but we, we talked about having all the eggs in one basket and yeah. you had a, you, you had a large primary customer that if, you know, wow, if anything were to ever happen with that large primary customer, um, would almost be net zero. Uh, yeah. but yeah. look, and that, I think that sort of came to fruition, but if you look at how, how has that motivated and how has that changed your mindset because you've maintained just again quote it just nine to five job just leave it leave it there yep. but look at some of the other things that you've done you know with uh the website building and the consulting that not only that you're doing now but over the years the things that you have also done to diversify some of your res revenue streams and now whether that is because your experience with um colored you or 
awakened you or if this is just some things that just developed over time. I guess it really is neither here nor there, but it is the fact that you are diversified as well in what you do in some of your side projects. As I said earlier, every organization I've worked for and with has, I've walked away learning just an immense amount of information from the individuals that own them to the, the partners I've worked with, the staff I've worked with and so on. And to that point, I think that's where starting my business now is what you're, what you just said, Chris, is that's all sharpened me up to where I'm at to diversify to an extent. You know, Matthew's right. I, technology, it's in a way, I always like to refer it as a whole like medicine, Okay, now I'm not talking, uh, let's get away from the, the details. It's, they're north and south, right? We know that. But from a standpoint of the specialities, so you can be a general practitioner, you can be that, that IT individual, but you can also specialize in certain areas. And I think Matthew doesn't give himself enough credit. Matthew a, is a certified forensic examiner. You're, you, you have a, you know, he could get a job tomorrow anywhere doing criminal digital forensic investigation. And that to me is diversification, is, is building your skill set, which is what I'm trying to do now, to diversify as an entrepreneur. So yes, will I do managed services? Yes. But I'm also going to do all of these other little things and start smaller organizations as well, uh, you know, like, like that model to where you're not reliant on one aspect. Um, so question for both of you as we draw to the end here, the individual that's listening, and I don't, I don't want to downplay that job. I don't want to, I love the corporate <laughs> environment. I do. I, I think that we would I all do. love to, 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 to be the, uh, the clock puncher, as you put it. Uh, if, if we got the, the satisfaction out of it and the, the, the money out of it that we thought we were worth. And, and there are individuals that do, you know, but there are individuals that don't. And I know that yeah. there are a lot of people that might be listening that say, I'm stuck in the same job. I'm not going anywhere, but I have an idea and I have a dream and I want to start. So to each of you, what would you tell that individual and how would you encourage that individual that doesn't know if they want to take that leap and is now a good time to do it? So Chris, I'll start with you. I, I don't think, I don't think there's ever a bad time to do it because if you, if you're a, a person that always looks for the wrong time, then it's never going to happen. Absolutely. I always tell my kids, know where you want to be and have a path to get there. Because if you don't have a path, you're just, you're a ship. Again, I don't want to speak metaphorically, but you're a ship. You're literally a ship without a rudder. You're just, you're not going to ever get to your destination. So you know where you want to be. You know where you are. The devil's in the details. It's the middle you have to figure out. How do you get there? And that starts with getting a circle of people around you. Um, a friend base, a knowledge base. That means you at night, in, in, instead of watching reality TV, you're researching. 
How do you get to where you want to be? Have a two-year plan, a five-year plan, a 10-year plan. These are things I tell people. Um, because if you don't, you're never going to get there. And again, I don't think there's ever a bad time. You're, when you're ready, you're ready. And, and these thought processes didn't happen overnight with me. I didn't open my business until I think I was, uh, you know, we didn't actually open until I was 38. So, and, and I think it, it, it with, with maturity and age, I also think that the thought processes change. But again, these are things I've tried to instill in, in my kids. And I think the principles are just, they're always the same. Know where you want to be, know how you're going to get there and have a plan, have a roadmap, always. Matthew? Uh, I, I would add to what Chris said is, um, uh, if you, th th there's, there's a quote that if you want to make God laugh, have a plan. <laughs> because it never goes through. I, I hear you. <laughs> but yeah, I, um, uh, yeah, yeah, to Chris's point, yeah, there's never a right time. There's never a wrong time. It's like, you know, being a, a young adult and deciding to have a kid. When's the right time to have a kid? When's the wrong yeah. time to have a kid? There, you, you, you can't say you just have to jump in with both feet and do it. I was 25 when I started my business. Uh, had all of about $1,000, I think, in the bank account. Um, and I just knew that I had to do it. I, I knew that it was what I wanted. Uh, again, to Chris's point, yeah, set a goal, um, uh, make a roadmap to it and, and, and follow through on it. Um, you're you're going to hit bumps. It's, you're going to have you know, lonely times. You're going to have uh, uh, rough times. Um, but if you stick through it, I mean, that's the big thing is just pushing, pushing on through it. Um, you know, it was at the, um, the, the internet bubble had burst when I started my company. Uh, you know, in the late 2000s, um, or in, in the late uh, October of, of 2000. Um, so it, it, I felt like there was, my, my back was kind of up against the wall, and this was my one opportunity to really do something. And all of a sudden, fast forward 20 years, and oh my gosh, I, how did I do that? And I can say that I um, had some things working in my favor, wasn't married, didn't have kids at the time. But that doesn't preclude you from from starting it later in life, like you, Joey, at age forty five, or or you yep. know, Chris when he was in his late thirties. You know, uh, everybody's path is different. Everybody has different goals and different uh, skill sets. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, the, the, there's another famous quote: "The best time to plant a tree was twenty years ago. The second best time is now." You yeah, know, do it now. Uh, if if it's the right time for you, if you know whether you feel like you yourself um, have all your ducks in a row, or if you're waiting for you, you know, for, for this and this and this to be exactly right for you to go out on your own and do it, that's never going to happen. Just make it happen. Just do it. I would agree with everything that both of you have said, and, and I'm, I'll just end with my, my thoughts as well. Um, like Matthew said, you know, I'm starting out at 45. This was, I had a friend call me and say, oh man, you're, you're so brave to do this, man. I wish I had your guts to do this. And I told him, I said, this was not by choice. I mean, it was, but I was pushed, COVID pushed me into this situation. But instead of going down that road again of, all right, let's polish the resume and let's begin the, the process, you know, because I've done it so many times. You know, I, I, I thought, let's give this other thing a go. You know, why not? Yeah, and I think you're, you're, you're making a good decision, Joey. 
I appreciate it. I, I think I am too. I think I'm too. And, and it, it has uh, ignited a fire in me that uh, I haven't seen or felt in a long time. And it's, uh, it's exciting. So we should follow up in a few months and, and absolutely do this again. Chris, I know you're wanting to say something. What are you wanting to say? No, no, no. I just, I, I, I'm, I'm very, we were talking this morning and I'm very excited for you. You know, when you're, when you're filing your, your entity paperwork and you're opening that corporate bank account, those are, those, you know, you, those are exciting times. And yeah. again, it's, it'll give you the butterflies in your stomach uh, because it, it's a, it's a big pill to swallow and it's a lot of responsibility, but it should be all right. I'm excited. It's a good time to, to, uh, to do this. <laughs> we'll check in with you in 2021 and see how, how you feel about it. <laughs> Maybe I'll be working for Google. Who knows? <laughs> or uh, Blue Edge Networks will be thriving and uh, going strong, which I feel it will, guys. All right. This brings us to an end tonight. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you for listening. My special guest, Chris, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thank you for the invite, Joey. Much appreciated. Absolutely. Anytime. We'll have you on more for uh, maybe lighter and, and, and some uh, banter back and forth discussions. Um, I know this is more on the serious topic, but Matthew, as always, it's great to see you and thank you for coming. This is the Topic of Choice podcast. My name is Joey Police. Please go to iTunes, Google, Spotify, wherever you download your podcast. Rate, subscribe, review. We'll see you next week.